The Innovate 608 podcast is brought to you by Starting Block Madison and sponsored by the Wisconsin State Journal, Madison.com, and the American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact. The Institute invests in visionary entrepreneurs who are building scalable social enterprises, offering economic opportunity for all, healthy youth development, learning, and academic achievement, and resilient communities. From the Starting Block Madison studio in the beautiful Capital East neighborhood of downtown Madison, Wisconsin, this is the Innovate 608 podcast, and I am your host, Nora Rowan-Schmidt. Thanks for joining us today. In the studio, we have Jason Fields, president and CEO of MadRep. Hi, Jason. Hey, Nora. How are you? It is such a pleasure to have you here today. This is my first time, and I've heard, I think when I first got the job, just everybody rant and raved about this place. And so thank you for having me, because this is a beautiful location. yeah, we'll have to think about what we're doing next year. <laughs> <laughs> well, the pleasure is all mine. So, Jason, you've done some pretty incredible things in your career, and you're still a young person. Um, well, that's nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you've written books, you've been a state representative, you're an investor. I just found out that you've done radio. Um, yeah. And, you know, now being a, a CEO... Was this always the path for you? Uh, can you talk a little bit about um, your journey? Yeah, I, I think starting out, um, you know, it's funny. My wife was, she was asking me a couple of days ago, did you always want to do this when you were young? What did you want to do? And I said, I, want, I always wanted to be a lawyer. I mean, back in the day, L.A. law was out and the guys all looked super cool and sexy in their nice suits. And so I thought that was the good thing to do. But um, no, I I, 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 I always wanted to be a serial entrepreneur. And I think everything that I do is more or less, am I using my full potential, right? And so um, everything I try to do is always, am I learning more? When I die, right, what, what will be my legacy to the planet? And so for me, that's really what I base it on. And so uh, I was a stockbroker, uh, started a foundation. I didn't know I always wanted to be the CEO of something, right? So I started my own companies. Um, and then in 2020, uh, I decided, you know, I'm not going to run again for election. I'm not going to run for the 11th Assembly District. And my wife was looking at me and I'm, she, you know, she's, she gave me that look, well, you, you better figure something out because <laughs> you won't just be sitting around here. And so uh, I applied for this position and a number of other positions, uh, actually. And, you know, we prayed about it and this one came about and love it. I I mean, I get a chance to meet great people. You, a number of people welcomed me to the community. And so I'm thoroughly excited about where I landed. And so, yeah, to, to answer that question, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be at this moment in time. Yeah, that's a beautiful answer. Tell me about MadRep. What is MadRep? What yeah. services do you offer and what's happening? A lot. You know, so what I what, when, what I describe as what we do at MadRep is we are, what I say, a full-fledged, wholeheartedly economic development agency or organization. And we're typically, you know, the, the three-legged stool of economic development was new business development, business retention, and business attraction. 
uh, what we added, or I think what you'll see now is, in addition to those three stools, we added two more, uh, workforce development, community development. And so in addition to uh, helping individuals with uh, a number of ideas, for example, we, we support small businesses. Uh, we administer the Main Street Bounce Back Grant Program from the state, which is a uh, $10,000 grant to uh, businesses that are looking to expand into you know new commercial spaces. Uh, we've launched a, we're launching a revolving loan fund, $300,000 revolving loan fund. Uh, we have a mad a broadband pilot where we're helping our eight counties get into position to you know exercise and get broadband. And so a lot of the things that we do in services are more like a consulting kind of feel where if you have projects, you'll call us. Uh, we'll evaluate the projects. We'll tell you what we think can work. If you're looking for letters of support, I know you and I have worked together on some of these items uh, for grant dollars. And so a lot of things that we do are around helping organizations, partnering and collaborating with organizations. But in-house, we're literally becoming a full-fledged full -fledged economic development group where housing fund we're launching, revolving loan fund we're launching, in addition to connecting individuals and businesses with multiple partners throughout our region. So we're a connector. So Jason, I heard you um, give a speech to Rotary, yeah. um, where you talked about some of your experiences moving mm -hmm. to the Madison area. Um, and some of that was a little bit difficult to hear yeah. because there was there were some things that you talked about, some some racism that you experienced yeah. um, and how much it upset your wife. And I'd really like to talk about your experiences yeah. as a professional black man in Dane County. Yeah. You know, it, it was uh, I mean, coming from Milwaukee and, you know, for your listeners, I think. One, I had worked up here as a legislator, right? And so that's one thing. But then when you're offered a position and you you see and you begin to get in, not indoctrinated, but you see the great people, you, uh, Ruben Anthony, Zach, Jason Nilstrom, you, you get to, Renee, you get to see and meet all these folks. And so my wife and I, I'm excited because she's excited for me, right? And so I tell her, I said, baby, Madison is great. It's a great place to live. I'm trying to sell her on, give me permission so we can move here, right? If I if offered the job. And the first thing out of her mouth was, for who? And I, I, I guess I didn't really think about that, right? I didn't think about for who. Um, and it, it took me, that brought me down a couple of pegs, right? When she said, for who? because it reminded me that sometimes in Wisconsin, we have two different worlds. You have a world for people, and then you have a world where when you look at education statistics, the children in Madison, the black children, worse in the nation, Milwaukee, same thing. How do you have those two dichotomies? How do you have one state where they're in a top when it comes to education Madison was just ranked number one for livability, but for who, right? And so it brought me down a couple of notches because what it says is, yeah, we're good, but you have to keep in mind we haven't arrived. And so to share the story that I shared at Rotary, I'm on cloud nine, man. I mean, I'm coming here. 
we're ready to crush it. I, I, I met you. We, I'm ready to work with all these cool people. We, we're about to do this. <laughs> and we're driving up one day from Milwaukee, and we're looking for, you know, we're looking for places to stay. And this was, some people got it wrong. It wasn't a house, but it was, we're looking for places and apartments. And my wife made a phone call, and I'm driving, and she says, hey, this is Latasha Fields. We want to, we would like to come and see the place. And there's a pause on the other end. Um, and, you know, I, I don't like to jump to conclusions, but the, the what bothers me is the fact that we have to have this discussion and that I actually, my wife and I actually had to think about this. Where is it racism? You know what I mean? The fact that you have to go through that process is tiring for black folks. And so this is Latasha Fields. There's a pause. The lady says, well, you know it's COVID. We're not showing it to anybody. Okay, it says you're showing. That's fine. Well, okay. We'll, we'll, do you want pictures? Sure, my wife will we'll, we'll take the pictures. Well, you know we have to do a credit check. Yeah, okay. You know we do a criminal background check. And so it's all of that kind of stuff where you're like, Okay, they had to do all that stuff for my job, and I was a stockbroker and an elected official. Everything in my life was public, so, lady, you ain't saying nothing that we ain't already had to deal with, but it was the tone, and then you wonder, is it because it was a Latasha field? You know what I mean? Just the whole tone of that was just different, and so it, it, it hurt me, and it hurt my wife, because it's just, here I am coming to a place, man, that's... All the assets, great place to live, one of the top 10 universities. Again, the people that I know and met all seem to work together, seem to be cool on the surface. And, and, and just to be and to hear this from a supposedly progressive kind of area that people brag about. And then, you know, quite honestly, to be candid with you, even some of my white friends at college when I got here, even my staff said, Jason, sometimes we, we talk the progressive stuff, but we're not as progressive as we all like to pretend to be. And honestly, nor for a person like me to hear that, it's, it's, it, it, it makes me feel some kind of way. Now, that said, that was, that was, I'm thinking to myself, if that was my experience as a professional black man coming here who else is having that experience many people yeah and so now you are if i could curse i would you are you are crapping on <clears throat> talent you are crapping on people who can come to your community you are crapping on innovation we all know the pitch to the white guy who went to stanford but what's the pitch to the black guy that went to one of the HBCUs who has a degree in physics, you know, who started a venture capital fund? And so if that's my experience, how many other people are having that experience? And if that's the case, we got to handle that because this is not a black or white thing. This is a Madison thing, right? We all need to be at a point. And I love the way the Madison community came and said, you know what, Jason, that's BS. We're sorry to hear that. That should have never happened. And so many people, and here's the good thing, reached out to me, old, white. And I'm like, wow, this is, okay, cool. 
you don't feel alone when you have to do that kind of st- when you go through that. But we do need to, as a community, ask that question: Are we sending the wrong message to potential talent that could come here and help us stay on top? And that talent is women, people of color, disabled veterans, members of the LGBTQ community. We got to be mindful that. We're not just talking to talk, but we're walking the walk. Sorry, that was a long way to go about that. No, no, it was it was important. I, you are not the only person who has told me this. Professional yeah. moving to Madison, trying to move their family or significant other, and having a very similar experience. Yeah. How do you think MADREP and other entrepreneurial support entities can help to start to make a difference? I think the first thing you have to do is be intentional, right? Um, One of the things that I think uh, was a blessing and a curse for me in politics is that I told everybody, I don't care what your politics are. My only aim is to get something done. That's it. That's what I care about. All that talking, you can save that because that that doesn't impress me. I want to see what did you accomplish. And if we're talking about making this a better place, then there should be some measurements about that. Making it a better place by how? Attracting more people of color? Great. If that's the case, then what do we need to do to do that? And so that's how I always proceed. And so when when you say what can we do, number one is to be intentional. And being intentional means you have to do a few things. Listen to freaking people, man, right? Listen to freaking people who maybe you don't have their culture or expertise and they will tell you this is how you should deal with this community because black folks, Hmong, Latino, we, we have different cultures. And so the way you address us has to be different. It's not the same for everybody. So the first thing to do is listen to the feedback that people give you. I'm not a woman. I don't know that. In fact, I, I, I can't tell you how happy I am to be married. I realize how dumb I was now that I'm married. But my wife has a certain thing that helps me be better, right? And so I have to be intentional about that. And so if we want to be better, the first thing to do is be intentional. Bring people to the table who really do care about moving the bottom line they don't care for the credit they don't care if you mention them they're not going to be racing to get in front of the camera they only want to go hey here's what i'm willing to do to make sure we answer three questions when it comes to our community are we a great place to live work and play and so for us at MAPREP, that means partnering with organizations that have that same mindset and philosophy it means for example I set up a meeting with TDS Communications. Uh, they said, Jason, we want to we want to come. And I know all the people at the, the diverse chambers of colors. And they TDS said, Jason, we want to not just be a financial person, but we want to get feedback. So I set the meeting up. We're meeting today here. And my pitch to those diverse chambers is you need individuals, um, major corporations to buy into your vision and mission. And vice versa to TDS, 
you need to show that you really do care about diversity, not just by taking out an ad, not just by a sponsorship, but by find out what you need to do to handle supplier and diversity. Are there businesses that you can contract with in the Latino Hmong black chambers? Uh, Who's on your board? You know, who's doing what projects? You need to have collaborations with these groups. And so for me, it means brokering those kinds of relationships to make something happen. And I only use that example here because it was a question, but I'm not looking to be on TV to get credit for that stuff. You do it because that's my mission. That's my, in in Christian-based philosophy, that's my ministry, right? To help people empower themselves and give back to the overall community. And so the ways we can do that is stop freaking talking so much. Oh my Lord, I get so tired of the talk. Shut up. Just do the work, man. Freaking do the work. If you talking that much, you ain't got time to be working. So something got to give. And so for me, and, and I tell my team here, and I'm, I'm going to get on a rant, but so you, you we'll come back. Laura, <laughs> no, this is good. You go. I tell you all, don't, don't come to me asking to sit on no task force. I do not sit on task force because task force, I'm, I'm scarred or I'm scarred from the political capital. <laughs> Every time something happened, they wanted to form a task force. And then it wasn't until two years later, something got done. I don't need to form a broadband task force. Hell, I know the problem. People ain't got it, <laughs> right? <laughs> That's the problem. I don't need to meet with a bunch of folk to talk about why they ain't got it. We know why. All we need to do is figure it out. What do you want to do? And so when we, when you say, what can we do? Shut up and get to work, right? Like find people who have the same mission. Let your mission be clear and understand that maybe you may not be the person to lead that. In essence, we always have people who want to tell everybody what to do, but we don't have enough people want to do the work. I'm willing to do the work. I don't need to be the person telling everybody else what to do. So I always come to the table with what can we do? Here's what I can do. And so I think that's really what, what we need to do. Stop with the talk and stop with the forming these committees and these. Eh. Look, we all, we've been talking about these problems, Nora, for how long? Me and you have had several different jobs. The problems ain't changed. So we don't need to form a meeting to talk about it. I don't need to, Nora to call Nora say, Nora, I want to help people of color get supplier diversity businesses in loop. Oh, okay. We don't need to meet about that. What we need to do is find out what supplier diversity businesses are we talking about, who can help, talk with those people about the idea, find the value added proposition, and then make that happen. We treat stuff so difficult around here. It's annoying. It is, it, it is, I, I'll, we spend too much time talking. And the last thing, and I'll end on this, we have to be mindful not to sacrifice progress for perfection. Meaning sometimes you're not going to get it right, but don't let that stop you from taking action and doing it. Those are the things that I think I look for when I'm trying to make a difference. Let's keep moving. Let's just, let's keep moving. Keep moving. Mm-hmm. Let's talk more action. Well, and those things are good advice for entrepreneurs too. Oh, yeah. We have a lot of people listening that are 
just starting to put their ideas into motion. Yeah. They've had an idea for a long time. They waited tables before the pandemic. I'm perking up because I'm ready to get into this. <laughs> they're working on their innovative idea. Yeah. Um, and I think some of those same ideas can be applied to yeah. those folks who are ready to get going. The one, one of the things that I'll, I'll say this, most people get concerned about the technical aspects of anything. Mm-hmm. If you have a vision lay it out, make it plain, put it on paper. It may not be perfect and that's okay. What kills most entrepreneurs, most business people is again, you, you haven't mapped one. It's a psychology. It's a mindset. So before we talk about anything else, it's a mindset. You need to know you as an individual So whatever business, whatever idea, you really need to know you because entrepreneurship sounds sexy until the work starts, right? is we all picture the end result. Yeah, I want to be in a robe on the top of the 85th floor drinking some fruity beverage with an umbrella in it. Yeah, that's the end result. But we're not there. And a lot of people focus on the end result, but it's the work. And in addition to the work, here's what kills most people. You have some bumps in the road and you stop. So as an entrepreneur, if that's what you say you are, you have to have this mindset that there is no plan B, right? Will Smith said, I don't, I don't have a plan B. There's only option A. This is going to work. And so I'm very competitive. And so you can see that that's me. Ain't no plan B. I don't know. There is no plan B. This is going to work. If I'm in a competition, which is what entrepreneurship is, and we get, for example, if we get on a treadmill and we're competing, either in my mind, I'm I'm trying to put myself in a position where I believe there's only two outcomes. Either I'm going to win or I'm going to die. That's it. Ain't it ain't no, you know, well, I'll I'll pivot. And again, this is a much more bigger, strong arm kind of mentality. But I think that's what you need to have. You really need to know yourself and not give up because there will come times where you hear no, no, no. There will come times. <laughs> I've gotten emails before with just yes. no. And that's there, it. <laughs> I had a guy once tell me, he said, Jason, um, that's cool, but. Yeah, I don't even wake up for stuff. Unless, uh, at, I only wake up when the minimum number is $75 million. I was like, wow, I didn't even know people talked like that. <laughs> so, We're like, hanging with the wrong crowd. Right? That's what hit me. Like, I am with the wrong group of people. But you have to understand that. And so psychologically, in order to, what I've always advised when I'm teaching business literacy or financial literacy is take the small victories step by step so that you can keep your momentum going and you can reduce how it will make you feel when you hear no's. And you may hear a hundred no's before you get to one yes. And that's tough, (laughs) that's tough. So as an entrepreneur, get know you as an individual. An entrepreneur will, will force you to know yourself real quick. So let's talk a little bit about Dark Knight Capital. Yeah. You are an investor. Um, p- 
pitching to investors mm-hmm. is probably one of the most intimidating things yeah. that most entrepreneurs will ever have to do. Yeah. What are some best practices? Um, and what are some of the, do you have any anecdotes, like worst pitch you ever heard or, <laughs> or best, quickest pitch? So you got different kinds of um, people who invest, different mindsets, um, attitudes. And so you, if you can, do your homework to know who you're sitting in front of, right? That's, now, sometimes that's hard to do. Uh, so I'll give you what I typically look for when I'm evaluating or I'm looking. One is enthusiasm, you know. Do you, is there enthusiasm? Do you know your market? You know, do, is your vision simple enough for a person to catch on to? Meaning, can you explain it in five minutes or less? Uh, are your, is, are the, do the numbers make sense? Right? It, you know, uh, the numbers have to make sense. And sometimes, uh, particularly in venture capital, uh, I've seen a lot of people get turned down because they weren't asking for enough money. It's hard to believe, um, you know, and so note, you know, you have to really understand, you know, what what the numbers mean, what they represent, because you want to be able to answer the question. In five to seven years, this is how much I would be willing to sell. My, we we want to be able to sell this business for that. So that's a key in five to seven years. We want to be at this number minimum to sell our business. Two, I always look at the person, right? And there's there's new investing in VC. Yes, technical, but you start to see this this movement where a lot of us who do investing in companies, we look at the person. We look at the person more. Yeah, people will do due diligence, but are you the type of person who can learn? Are you the type of person that takes advice well are you the type of person that could lead or be led because the one thing a person that's investing in your company or your business never wants to do is fire you and sometimes and this is where i say in entrepreneurship you really need to know yourself you may not be the best person to lead your organization it's a hard pill to swallow but you need to have a come to jesus moment with yourself to understand that before it gets to a point where somebody who's looking at investing comes to that conclusion. So be enthusiastic about your idea. Know your, be able to explain your vision. And why should I invest in your vision? So when you take those things, when you look at that, those are usually some of the best um, stories of success. A friend of mine, Britt Gosschalk, who she owns Revised Consulting here. Uh, and I think this is, you know, when we talk about one of the best pitches I've heard, Brit's pitch was technical. It's about controlling your, 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 your medical data. And really, myself and I think one of your people here who's a good friend, uh, Nick from Red Fox AI, good dude, love him to death. We talk about AI. And we were talking about at one point the world is moving to all the data that is being sold and it's your personal data, there should be a way where you can leverage that for yourself. And so Brick, Nick and I talked about this. Brick actually started a business to actually do that. And I introduced her to a good friend, African-American woman, Dana Guthrie, who's the VC at um, Gateway Capital. 
And I think there will be some kind of relationship with those two. And here you have a Milwaukee VC, uh, a businesswoman, African-American woman from Madison connecting. Those are some of the best pitches that I've heard because her business model empowers people, the regular Joes, to be able to have some say in their own data and information and be able to monetize it themselves, right? Versus big corporations monetizing it. So that I loved. And it goes back earlier when you say, what can we do to change things? That's my example of that. Here I'm taking two African-American women, introducing them to each other, and now I believe a deal is getting made. That's how you do that stuff. What's the best professional advice you've ever received? Oh, it's so much. Um, one is shut up. <laughs> shut up and listen more. Um, you know, and so I think I turned that into, I even think I wrote this in one of my books. Um, I turned that, it's old sales, but you should listen more. And I turned that into you know, some, some tools that I live by. Number one, if you're ever in a room uh, with people more powerful than you or they have more juice, you shouldn't be talking, right? You should be listening. Number two, if for any reason you feel the need to open your mouth, it needs to be in the form of a question because you want to be learning more. And number three, realizing that the more people talk when they're talking with you, the more they start to like you. So when you can master the art of listening, it's beneficial in a number of ways. And so the best advice I got was really don't be in a rush to talk. Listen, do a lot of listening and not just with your ears. Listening is a, an embodiment. I listen I listen to you by the clothes you have on. I listen to you by what you're drinking. I listen to you by how you walk into the office. Listen, you know what I mean? Fully embody listening um, because you'll learn a lot if you do that. That's the best advice. Talk to me about, you know, the day in the life of, of Jason Fields, the CEO. <laughs> how do you maintain work-life balance and is there such a thing as work-life balance what what would we find jason fields doing on a weekend uh you know i'm a huge other geek. than working and checking right, right. <laughs> like we all do <laughs> texting nora about <laughs> hey did you hear about this event <laughs> what's up with this person is he a knucklehead or not <laughs> so um i'm a huge geek man i i I love watching cartoons. I'm a huge anime cartoon uh, freak or junkie, uh, comic book stuff. Um, I'm one of those guys that I'll be at the house on YouTube researching the origins of the Green Lantern. <laughs> you know, I'm like, like, I'm a serious geek. Like, that stuff is fascinating to me. Uh, in the day of the life. So are you know, like a Comic-Con person? I'm like, close, man. Okay. Like, like, I'm, I'm, I'm. Do you play Dungeons and Dragons? I don't. I'm, okay. I'm not that far. I, I'm I, just I, checking. I, I still maintain some okay. level of coolness. Okay. <laughs> but I'm I'm about I'm a sci-fi geek. I love Star Trek and all that stuff. I'm about 
you know, two decisions away from buying some kind of uniform or costume and going to a Comic-Con. Um, for me, it's, you know, you, you wake up, uh, usually me and my wife are just laid in bed. Sometimes we're listening to some spiritual message or she's listening and I'm listening with her. Um, I used to try to work out in the morning, but that just doesn't work. I'm getting too old for that. Um, I usually try to get out. My wife bought a Peloton. So at some point, working out sometime during the day. Then at work, um, usually listen to emails. But then the balance is when I come home, if I'm not working, uh, spend some time with Tasha, you know, where we're maybe we're in the same room. Um, you know, we just love being in each other's space. Uh, you know, so we still dig that. And then I'm on like TikTok. I, you know, <laughs> I'm on TikTok or Instagram, but I, I'm getting a little sick of social media because uh, I just feel like sometimes the stuff I see, humanity is getting worse. You know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, I see stuff on there like, yeah, this is not good for humanity. Um, so once I'm done with TikTok, I'm usually watching something on Netflix. Uh, the originals is what I'm, I'm trying to go through that now. Um, blacklist. And then my Japanese cartoons. I love Japanese cartoons and Justice stuff. Um, huge sci-fi geek. So, yeah, I'm usually on um, YouTube, you know, looking up the origin of something or how many kids does Wolverine have? <laughs> you know, it's usually some people wouldn't look at me and go, like, he's really into that kind of stuff. Yeah. I'm, I'm a geek. Who's your favorite author? Oh, wow. Um, my favorite book is The Art of War by Sun Tzu. Um, favorite author? I don't know if I have a favorite author. Um, yeah, I don't know if I have a favorite author. I usually, I, I, I read a lot of different stuff. But my favorite book, The Art of War by Sun Tzu. So favorite author, I, I don't know if I have a favorite author. Yeah, I usually, I, I try to balance it out with a lot of books by African-American men in business. I intentionally look for those for uh, like Reginald Lewis uh, bought his book, uh, Why Should White Guys Have All the Fun? Fascinating, fascinating story. Um, my old mentor, Mark Purnell, who uh, just wrote his book on wealth management, how to start an investment advisory firm. Um, this, this is a good book. So those I usually try to look for for those uh, those types of books. You know, I think Britt Goschalk was very, um, I met her through, I sit on the board of MKE Tech Hub and one of the board members introduced us and she moved from Milwaukee to Madison. Um, and I, I think she won't mind me sharing her story, but Britt had a, you know, everything wasn't rosy. It wasn't great. I mean, mother raising her child, you know, living like, I think she told me she was living in her car at one point. But to come out of that with degrees, move to Madison, start several businesses, 
and now be, um, you know, getting funded by a VC. When I told Britt, I said, you know, you, you have that it factor. Like, she's special. She's one of those diamonds in the rough where you can see it. Like, those of us who, you know what it is when you see it. She has it. And to hear her story and where she's come from, uh, and it's a number of those, I mean, but she jumps out at me because I was thoroughly impressed by her commitment uh, and ambition and willingness to just still be humble. Like that's humility is that's what people who've been through stuff. God blesses them. They get to a certain level and they're still humble. That's the kind of stuff that's impressive to me. That's really impressive. Um, because we have so many people who I think don't listen. You've been through hell, you come out of it, and now you're cocky. That doesn't make sense to me. And so people like Britt, who's the CEO, founder of Revised Consulting, um, yeah, that she has it. She, she has it going on. Jason Fields, president and CEO of MadRep, it was such a pleasure to have you here today. Hey, I'm a huge fan, so, of yours. Thank you. I'm a huge fan, too. Learn more about MadRep, Jason, and his team by visiting madisonregion.org. Thanks for listening. That's it for today. Thank you for listening to the Innovate 608 podcast. What's the most innovative thing you've done this week? Record a message all about your innovation and send it to us in an email at innovate608 at startingblockmadison.org. Be sure to check out the Starting Block Madison Facebook page for video clips and episode outtakes. Remember, innovators, do one thing every day that is slightly outside of your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thanks so much to the American Family Insurance Institute for Corporate and Social Impact for sponsoring this episode. See you next time.